Oh, Malta. Mm. <laughs> I feel like I just don't like Malta. I know she has growth. Same. And maybe I'll like her more at the end of her growth. Same. I remember <laughs> liking her as like an example of good growth, but I don't remember actually liking her at the end. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Yeah, yeah. I like that she has growth. I just still don't like who she is as a person. Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing chapter 18, Malta. So we finally are on a Malta chapter, and I hate it so much. It only took halfway through the book. At least we had a full half without her. <laughs> That's a little harsh. <laughs> this chapter is so frustrating to read. I it, don't, yeah, that's uh, fair. It's just so frustrating, especially like... Every time I reread it, obviously I'm getting older as I reread it. So every time I read it, I'm just like, this is worse and worse. <laughs> Where yeah. she starts out from. I do. I did try to wonder if I was like 14 reading this book, if I would have more sympathy or like understand Malta's point of view a little bit better. But I think because we know everything else that's going on, it's impossible to read her as yeah. someone that you like don't think is spoiled and horrible. There's a lot of things in here as well where she's completely dismissive of something. And then, you know, like even even as a context of a first time reader, but someone who has read multiple more adult fantasy books, you know, you can't take her at face value. Right. Because, you know, the larger story that's going on, even in the first 17 chapters. Right. Like, oh, Rach was totally taken in by my lies and didn't believe a thing. Like, sure. Yeah. I definitely believe you. <laughs> yeah. I think Malta is just one of those characters where maybe if we had read the whole book from her point of view, we would like her. Yeah. But I don't know. She's just mean and petty and childish. And to be fair, she is a tween. So she's 12 here at the very most generous reading of her age. She could be 13. That is like the most generous that we can be. Yeah. And I don't think she's even that because she says she's basically 13 and her mom's like, yeah, in like eight months. Right. <laughs> so it's been a couple months since then. But true. Yeah. True. She's closer. But that's why I'm saying most generous reading of this. Yeah. But yeah, it's a 13 year old who thinks they're an adult, which I think does have a really interesting implication. Like, is this something that the society that they're growing up in has pushed onto the children that like, because so few women have viable births, do they try to start women younger and younger? Is that pressure there? Because, you know, then you have more chances to get it, it right. It sounds like 15 or so, or maybe 14 at the youngest or like 14 and a half is about where they start. Right. Just from context clues of like, like you know, just a couple, couple years or like a year and a little bit, then we can talk about it. You have right. lessons prepared for it. Like she hasn't even been getting lessons and she's 12 years old. 
Like it's not coming up soon is right. what I'm trying to say. So No, I think you're right. But I'm wondering if like from her point of view. Right. Is this something that is like a pressure that she's felt because of the society there? Well, obviously, yeah, we will get to that too. Yeah. Her, her point of view and her thoughts on it. So I think so. So I was trying to be generous there. Say maybe, maybe it is external factors making Malta. Well, it's definitely external factors. I mean, her father is one of the largest, making her as horrible as we are, which we see in the very first line. And that is, it all would have gone perfectly if not for that fat fool, David Restart. Devad, sorry. She had found the money under her pillow from when her father had left. And recognized his cramped handwriting on the missive. And it said, For my not-so-little daughter, green silk would suit you best. Inside the soft little bag had been four gold coins. She had not been sure what they were worth. They were foreign coins from one of the lands he visited when he was trading. What Malta had been instantly certain of was that they would be enough for the most sumptuous gown that Bingtown had ever seen. So it's, it's not... A poultry sum, that's for no. sure. It doesn't sound like it's a poultry sum. I mean, Althea had like four gold coins and lived off that for I think she a had, month. I think she had silvers, to be honest. Yeah, so like that's a lot, especially considering the fact that his family is in so much debt. Right, yeah. And he makes such a big deal about how they're not going to pay for Althea's wanton ways or whatever. And... <laughs> But I hate this so much for more than just that. I also feel like the specific mention of green silk is purposefully done by Kyle because Kyle knows about Althea's green silk. Kyle doesn't know Althea's not still there and that she could steal it from her aunt. But I do think Kyle knows about Althea's green silk and he was trying to egg on a worse situation that he doesn't have to face any of the consequences for, which I don't like. Yeah, she she says later on, we'll, we'll back up a little bit, but she says her father had suggested green silk and fortunately there had been a good supply of it in Aunt Althea's sea chest. She had been aching to know what was in there since it had been delivered to the house, but her mother had wearily told her it was none of her concern. But it hadn't been locked. Aunt Althea never remembered to lock anything, and as Althea certainly was never going to use it, Malta saw no sense in letting the lovely fabric stay there and fade. Besides, by using this fabric, she'd have more coin to spend on a really good dressmaker. She was only being thrifty. (sighs) Anyways, yeah, so... In the best reading of him, I'm saying this again, (laughs) in the best reading is a term, he could just think... Green is a good color on Malta, but it is very specific. Well, especially because later in the chapter, somebody, the like dressmaker, first dressmaker she goes to specifically says green is not a good color on her, which makes. I mean, what does Kyle know either? uh, Well, true, but you would, that's, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's pretty easy to tell if a color would be good on that person or not. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Kyle, I think he just wants her to use the silk of her aunt's. And maybe he doesn't know about it, but also they were on a ship together and he's probably there when Althea bought it. So who knows? Yeah. He probably thinks it belongs to him anyway. So 
Malta goes through the the events leading up to this because she is getting ready for the harvest ball. She wants to go. That's what she was pleading for before Kyle had left out to sea and Kefria had said, no, can't do that. She says that her grandmother was very predictable. Ronica obviously says, no, we're not going to go. I'm mourning Efren still. And Kefria is like, yep, we're staying home as a family then. And she is keeping true to her word. Rach is giving her lessons in etiquette and dancing and things like that. And they were looking for a, a true etiquette teacher. But in the meantime, Rach was helping out with all of those kinds of lessons. And Malta says, and that was more than enough for now for a young girl of her age, probably according to Kefria. The severity of her mother's tone had surprised her when Malta had been brave enough to say, but my father said her own mother had turned on her with something close to fury in her eyes. Your father is not here, she had pointed out coldly. I am, and I know what is proper for a young Bingtown woman, as should you. Malta, there is time and more than enough time for you to be a woman. It is natural for you to be curious about such things, and natural, too, for you to wish for lovely gowns and wonderful evenings dancing with handsome young men. But too much curiosity and eagerness, well, it could lead you down the same path as your Aunt Althea took. So trust me, I will tell you, I will be the one to tell you when the time is right for such things. I also know there is much more to the Harvest Ball than pretty dresses and bright-eyed young men. I am a woman of Bingtown and a Bingtown trader, and I know such things, not your father. So keep your peace about this, or you, you will lose what you have gained. Malta keeps her peace about it and doesn't argue back because she knows that she's not going to win that argument, but is going to go behind her back anyways because she's going to get what she wants. Right. If her mother won't agree, then she's going to do it her own, on her own. Yeah, she had decided that she did not need to argue Arguing only would have made her mother suspicious and watchful. There was no sense in making her own tasks harder. She had already made up her mind. Malta was doing this no matter what. Right. And pretty much had permission from Kyle to do this. Right. And I think I think this is something that really points out how bad Kyle's toxic masculinity is for not just him, but also Malta's view on women. Malta is a young girl and she and she views her mother and grandmother and aunt and every woman in her life as lesser and not good enough she thinks she's better than all of them she knows more than them and what do they know they're just old women who don't like having fun and it's just like so sad to read this 12 year old girl looking down on her mother for being a mother and looking down on her grandma for being matronly and like looking down on Rach because she's a slave. And it's just like every instance of her thinking about another woman is tinged with, well, I'm so much better than them. And they're just women anyway. My, my father said that he knows more and I'm trusting that over my mom who has actually lived through the experience I'm wanting to go through. And I uh, I don't know. I just hate it. I hate that part of it. Because, like, obviously she's not consciously aware of that. But I am as the reader. So, (laughs) And with that viewpoint, when she was talking about, you know, the how she had the green silk and it would make her save money. She says, had not her father told her that that was a good trait in a woman? 
which there you go. I mean, yeah, being thrifty is nice. But then in the next paragraph, she's like, I had to ask my friend Delutrell, a dressmaker, because my mom and grandmother are so old fashioned. They make everything themselves. So I had to find a good dressmaker. Yeah. Just like. Right one after the other. Yeah, like being 12 year old, like have more self awareness. I know you can't, but like, please. <laughs> being thrifty is the mark of a good woman. Also, my mom is thrifty and it's disgusting. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> uh, it's, I think that's part of why this chapter is so hard to read because it's like watching the j- mental gymnastics of someone trying to justify why they dislike somebody even though clearly they don't disagree with some of the ideas. It's not that she dislikes her mom and grandmother. I don't think she, she dislikes who they are as people. I think she still loves them, but like what they stand for, I feel like she dislikes what they stand for. Sure. But I, I don't think she's nuanced enough to like dislike them both as people. I guess. I don't know. She talks enough crap about both of them. So, she also says that uh, she wants to have some sort of spectacle, right? She goes into a little bit more about how Kefria and Ronica make their own dresses and sure, they will see something at a ball that they really like and then go home and make it themselves. And then for the next ball, they'll have that. But Malta points out that that's just what it was. It was a copy of somebody else's work and it was never the latest styles They never made a big splash. No one was ever astonished by what one of the Vestrit women wore to a social gathering. No one ever gossiped about them or put heads together behind their fans to whisper enviously. They were too respectable and too boring. And Malta had no intention of being either as staid as her matronly mother nor as mannish as her wild Aunt Althea. Instead, she intended to be mysterious and magical, shyly demure and unknowable, and yet daring and extravagant. So it's it's plainly and painfully obvious that this is like the young girls. I'm going to go to a ball and be the talk of everybody. It's my dream. This is what the height of the world is. Right. Building it up in her head and she's going to make it happen and doesn't really know what goes into that. Malta clearly doesn't understand that not all press is good press. (laughs) (laughs) I think she just has this idea that the other families are so much better because they get talked about all the time and she's not probably in enough of the circles doing the talking to notice that it's mostly people talking poorly about others. Right. And like, there's nothing wrong with being respectable and like wallflowery as a family. And I get the idea, like you're coming of age, you want, you want to be special. Everybody wants to be the main character in their own story but she takes it so far to an extreme where it gets away from something that I can like support. <laughs> but on the, on the surface, I understand the idea she's bringing forward right. where she's coming from. Yeah, definitely. That's what's frustrating. Like you can understand, but don't but like. She takes it too far. <laughs> she takes it too far. As a child. Which honestly kind of feels like could be the subtitle of this book. It's like, (laughs) they have the right idea, but they take it too far. (laughs) So she goes to the dressmaker that Delotrell has told her, and in Malta's eyes, she is disappointingly an old woman. And she is the one who says, yeah, green is not a good color on you. It makes you look sallow. You want, you know, pinks, reds, oranges, that sort of thing. 
and she keeps her mouth shut but says like no I I want this green and then she got all measured up and started to put on or like start to display and talk about how she was going to make this dress and Malta's like no the neckline's too high the skirts are too short like this is I don't want the frocks. I don't want my hairs and braids. I want to make a ball gown. And the lady just kind of laughs her out. She's like, okay, you know, tell your mother that I'm going to make this dress and it's going to look beautiful. (laughs) And Malta's like, no, you're not doing anything I want. I'm going to walk out. Right. I do want to point out something. Malta specifically points out when this woman is telling her green is not her color, that she has a Durha accent, which is clearly foreign. So putting her as, again, lesser. First of all, she's a woman. Then she's also an old woman. And now it's a foreign old woman. So there's very little respect. Mm, I I don't see that as a as an othering in Malta's mind at all. It's just a, a pronouncement of what the accent was from, like a characterization. I've seen Robin Hobb do that. So I never really like associated that with a, um, with Malta being like, Oh, she doesn't know as much as me. It was more cause she compares it directly after with my father has seen more of the wide world. I'm going to trust his opinion over somebody who has lived here or maybe from one other country. Right. So right. I, I, I don't compare those two of like, she's foreign. She doesn't know anything. Okay. I I think it's just like she's trusting her father because in her eyes, Kyle is everything, right? Right. Okay. I just feel like it's weird to put the, to not mention it at all then. It just, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, why does this dress make your thing? You know, I, I've heard like accents pointed out multiple times across the book. So I, I, I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe maybe I'm just something. reading into it because it's Malta and she's like being <laughs> derogatory about it when she mentions it. You know what I mean? Like it's making her Durha accent stick out more. That doesn't exactly sound like. Mm, that's not what she says, though. She says that uh, sallow, it will make you look sallow. Pinks and reds and oranges. Those are your colors. Her thick Durha accent made it seem like a pronouncement. So it made like the previous statement seem like this is what's happening, like kind of thing. And okay, I guess yeah. So I, I don't. I didn't see it as like um, her accent made it. I don't know. I, I guess I, I read it as like a like her accent stuck out more when she said this mm. sort of deal, which feels like pointed and mean. <laughs> but I guess that's not the way to take it. So maybe not. Maybe I'm reading too far into it. I mean, I could be a little bit too lenient on her too. So I don't know, it's just interpretation. Not important. Not the main thing I was going to focus on, but here we are. Yeah, right. So anyway, either way, Malta does not, clearly does not respect this woman who is a professional and makes dresses all of the time. So would know and instead focuses on the fact that her father has traveled the whole wide world. So surely he would know what looks best on women. And like... it's so yucky. I hate that. I hate the way it's worded. I hate the idea of that, of like, well, he's seen lots of women, so he knows what women look good in. He's married. (laughs) Why is he looking at any women? (laughs) 
I know that's harsh. That's uh, you can look at women and be married, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I just don't like what, uh, and it's like a 12 year old girl thinking that, I don't know. Don't love it. And so this, this seamstress is, you know, adjusting her around all these, uh, the pins around and everything like that. And three times Malta objects that the neck seemed too high and the skirt's too short. And the third time she spits out her mouthful of pins and says, you want to look like a trollop, a sallow trollop? Malta shook her head wordlessly as she tried to recall what a trollop flower looked like. So she doesn't even know what a trollop is. Yeah. And what like people are talking about over her head, basically. But <laughs> it's it's so frustrating because this is foreshadowing, obviously, but also at any point she could have found out what a lady of the night is and why people wouldn't want her to look that way. And she doesn't ever ask anybody and she has no experience of what that is or like she thinks a trollop is a flower. That's how far removed, how protected she is in her little world. Right. And yet she thinks she like can be a woman at this point. Mm-hmm. I, it, not that you have to know everything, but like, you should probably know some of the insults people are going to make about you when you become a woman. <laughs> if you're going to say that you are ready to be a woman. Yeah. So Malta's like, I, I have my own money. I want a woman's dress, not a frock. And Fela, the seamstress, is like, no, you're too young. You will only look silly. You listen to me. I make you a pretty frock. No other girl will have one like it. They will all stare and tug their mama's skirts and whisper about you. And Malta storms out, basically. Like... Nope, I'm not eager to have girls staring at me. Good day to you. Takes her silk out and she she says she tried not to wonder if Delotrell had purposely sent her to that horrible old woman if Delo did not think that Malta still belonged in little girl's starched skirts. Lately, Delo had begun to give herself airs to imply loftily that there were many things that Malta, young little Malta, simply could not understand about Delo's life now, as if they had not been playmen since they could walk. So jealous of her friend who also stated that she was going to have like a dress soon or implied that. Mm -hmm. But as we see later, Dello thinks that Malta is not going to the harvest ball. Right. (laughs) It's really interesting because you can see again, more driving factor of like her friend is going to be an adult and they've been together since they could walk. And so she doesn't want to be left behind. She feels like she's missing out. And instead of being like, well, at least I won't be going this year. So I have another year and there's no, like, you know, like I don't even have to worry about being a baby when my friend isn't. She's like, no, I'm going to go anyway. And I'm going to dress like a woman. It just is so extreme. There's no need. There's a lot of jealousy for Dello in general from Malta. Right. From, I mean, and it makes sense. It definitely makes sense because Dello's family, the Trells are more well off. They have a live ship that probably actively trades up the Rainwild River Mm -hmm. because the Vestrits are pretty alone in that kind of sentiment to not do that. They have a younger man who is going to take over the fortune, Rashen's little brother, Sirwin, who who Malta finds eyes for for the first time in this chapter, but in general has, you know, younger men come calling and hanging out and not anything like her brother Wintrow, 
right. spindly and everything. So we, as the chapter goes on, we just see more and more of like, they're friends, but not really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to your point about Sarwin, it's also that he's a more traditional, what a more traditional man is. Right. He's more accepted in society. And so there's like that kind of jealousy around that. And mm-hmm. I don't, I feel really bad for Malta. She very obviously cares very much about what other people think of her. And it's really interesting that she cares that much considering the family she comes from. I guess they also care about image, but it feels like they care less about image when it comes to their personal sense of style. Although I guess maybe it just evolved. You know, you Mm -hmm. see your family worrying about what other people will say. Yeah. And then it turns into, well, sure. But why wouldn't they say good things? We want to, we want to be the best. Right. Yeah. Well, so Malta heads out to find her own seamstress and finds one that is younger and is very happy about it because the seamstress is not quibbling about any of the types of dresses she wants to make. She just gets right to the details about, you know, asking her things like butterfly sleeves and how a spill of lace could flatter a young woman's developing bosom into an illusion of fullness. Malta knew then she had chosen well and had all but skipped home with a tale of being unable to find a free shimshay to excuse her lateness. From that one decision of finding her own dressmaker had flowed all her good fortune. And this is the part, well, I I will continue to read, but this is the part... (laughs) Where it's like, she's so young and it's so frustrating to read. Yeah, it's a lot of red flags, (laughs) a lot of red flags that anyone who has been in the world ever would immediately clock, but not Malta. The woman had a cousin who made slippers. Wow, great fortune. She sent Malta to him when she came in for the second fitting of the dress and she would need jewelry. The dressmaker reminded her. She pointed out to Malta that the effect that the reality of jewelry was not nearly as important as the effect it created with sparkle and shine. Cut glass would do as well as real gems, and then her budget would allow her larger and more glittering pieces. She had yet another cousin, and she came to show Malta her wares during the third fitting. When Malta returned to her final fitting, the slippers and jewelry were ready to be picked up as well, and she was so kind that the dressmaker showed her how to paint her lips and eyes in the newest way and even sold Malta some of her own powders and skin paints. The woman could not have been kinder. To have it exactly as I dreamed of, it was well worth every coin, Malta told her, and gladly gave over to her the pouch of gold that her father had provided. That had been but two days before the harvest ball. Surprise! Oh, I have family relations that, you know, you need slippers with this perfectly, like... They have yeah. to match. Of course. And jewelry. But don't worry about having real jewels. You can get much further with the fake stuff. Yep. So I have a, somebody who cuts glass in my family as well. So here's a lot of jewelry you can buy. And I can show you how to do makeup, which I happen to sell if you'd like some. It's <laughs> like, ah, girly, get out. Like, <laughs> this is also four gold for all of that. That is too much. You're being charged too much. It's a scam. It's all a scam. There's no way you cannot convince me that all of that glass jewels cost. Yeah, what was it in? Uh, in the, I mean, this is obviously Bing Town, so probably higher prices in general. But didn't Fitz have like 10 copper bits and maybe like one silver and got like enough A teapot, five outfits, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 30 rations of meat. Like. Yeah. <laughs> 
whatever he bought a pet squirrel yeah <laughs> cleaned out the trolley in the market oh. we'll take the lot yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's such a kid thing to not understand how money works like I get that, first of all, it's foreign currency, so you're not 100% sure. But she could have at any point asked somebody, even somebody who wasn't her mom or grandma. Like, she could have asked Dello's parents. She could have been like, hey, my dad showed me a coin. Do you know what this was worth? Like, you could make up something if you wanted. You really wanted to. But there- even even if knowing what it's worth, right, do you know how much a good dress Fair, costs fair. like as, as a 12 year old i didn't know no. anything what was going on i knew the price of my Yu-Gi-Oh or pokemon packs that i was <laughs> buying and maybe a video game that's it i'm like that's a lot of money but that's birthday i'm good it doesn't mean anything i don't have to buy food <laughs> right no that's fair that's fair it's just like to her it's just pocket change yeah expensive like a lot of money but like doesn't really know the value oh i don't know not good. No, no, not good at all. Think of all the candy she could have bought. <laughs> she just like acted like a normal kid her age. Ugh. Or she could have saved it and had more for the next year's ball, which again, she should have waited like a couple more years, but like could have at least waited till next year, which she agreed and promised. And her dad told her to do if if her grandmother said they can't go. Her dad said, it seems fair to me that you can't go if grandma says no. And she admits that her father knows best or whatever. She thinks her father is end all be all. He told her not to go if her grandma said no. And so, then gave her a note of like, here's money. Make a dress for yourself. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm sure he just thought that they would go. You know what it's I It's Kyle. Know. You're, you're uh, going to give him <laughs> Okay, this is this here. is the one time I'll give him credit. Only That's because fair. I think he's too dumb to think through the implications that a 12-year-old would take oh, yeah. from that note. <laughs> he also thinks Malta is probably the perfect woman, right? Like listening to his instructions right. and just going to follow along with the family because that's what he said. But I don't uh, know. Whatever. It's the stupid. All bad. All yeah. bad. So now she so Malta gets her everything, <laughs> hands over all her money, uh-huh. and has to smuggle this back home because it's two days before Harvest Ball and she has to bring it back and not have anybody, anybody find it. And that's particularly difficult because Nana, the old serving woman who used to, I think, live out on the farm, right? With her, like her mom's farm? No, this is Nana, her her nanny from birth. Oh, okay. That's an other... Yeah, that's the one that they're paying for. Yeah, to stay there at Ronica's I don't think they're the same. I guess I could be wrong. I didn't think so either, but I I was just thinking right now, I'm just like, if it is, (laughs) they listened to Kyle and brought the... Oh, yeah, good point. We'll have to Google it. I have no idea. Yeah. Either way, but this Nana is an old serving woman that helps her out around the house, and Selden is old enough not to have constant attention from her anymore. So... Malta says that she has been increasingly spying on Malta, going through her things, snooping on her, asking her questions that the other servants did not. You know, where did you get that scent? Does your mother know that you wore those earrings into town, et cetera, et cetera? Which also, for as snoopy as this Nana is or whatever, is she not reporting to Kefria at all? Maybe, but that's this is the person who is trying to sneak it past. Like, this is who Malta is trying to sneak it past. Right. But I'm saying, like, there's a lot of stuff happening here where Malta's like, 
I am so good at being a secret on secret missions and sneaking all of this through and super inconspicuously. Nobody would ever catch on, which to be fair, nobody does. But like Nana didn't think any of it was weird. Didn't bring it up a single time to Kefria. It was seriously not even on Kefria's radar. Maybe not because we don't know what Malta responded. I mean, she could easily, she obviously lies a lot and could easily say, oh, Dello had it and we like hung out wanted to try a sample or something, you know? I guess. There's a lot of things that could just be. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. It just feels weird to me that she's like, Nana stoops on everything. And it's like, okay, so how did Nana not know? Okay, but is Nana actually snooping or just like doing her job? I know. That's what I'm saying. That's like, Nana might not care. If she is a snoop (laughs) also. Yes. No, if she is a snoop, she's not a very good one to have let all of that go. Like 12 year olds are not secretive. They think they are, but they're not. Sorry to any 12 year olds listening and offended. (laughs) But in the end, Malta decides not to bring it to the main house, but to Rach's cottage because Ronica has given Rach a cottage down by a little pond or yeah, by the pond garden. Malta of course, doesn't know why Rach as a servant deserves a whole cottage to herself, but finds it convenient because no one's going to find it weird that they're spending time together because Rachel's supposed to be giving her her lessons. So just instructs her to take the whole wrapped up package and store it at her cottage. It was only too funny, of course, that a slave should know such things, such as etiquette not after, and all those sorts of things. And dancing. And dancing, yeah. Dello and Malta giggled about it often in the brief times that they had together. Dello, of course, now thought that she was too old and womanly to be spending time with a mere girl like Malta. Well, that would change as soon as Malta presented herself at the Harvest Offering Ball. This is another thing that I don't understand about this chapter and these characters in general. Why is Dello pretending like she doesn't want to hang out with Malta because she's a baby? Like, why is that the thing? Like... I mean, this is obviously a a very important thing in their culture, right? Being presented, being introduced as a woman to the society and maybe Della is a little bit older than Malta. Maybe her mom has started talking to her about me being trained for it or something or being talked to about what the harvest ball is. Obviously she is not presented as a woman at this harvest ball, but maybe those things are like, Oh, I have this knowledge that you wouldn't know because you're little. Right. I don't, it just like is weird to me, I guess in that, it feels like there's a different reason Dello doesn't want to hang out with Malta. Like of all the things to say well, to be like, well, you're just too young and little to understand. Feels like an excuse. They're 12. I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, we know Dello is a year older than her. Do we? Okay. Yes. So because she's 13. she said whenever she's arguing with her dad and mom about how she should be able to be a woman, she said Dello's going to be at like, shown as a woman this year and her mom says she's a year older than you and i doubt it (laughs) yeah okay yeah so i'm guessing she's starting to get a little bit of that training that malta was begging for or that kefria said like you're not ready for because you don't have this so that's what i'm guessing like oh i'm starting to learn these womanly things i guess i could also be she's probably her brother is only a few years older so she's around a lot more teenage boys which are cute and stuff. And so she's having crushes and gets to see them all the time. And Malta True. doesn't get to see boys all the time. You know what I mean? She brings it up later too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's that. I don't know. So Rach was the, uh, 
the one to assist her with the dressing on the night of the ball because she was able to store the package in Rach's cottage. And it's not weird being in the presence of Rach because they have lessons together. She goes down to the cottage. It isn't weird. Of course, Rach doesn't know what's in the package until Malta instructs her to get it and then open it and help her dress. She had told Rach to help her dress and the woman had complied. an odd smile on her face. Malta could see now the complete usefulness of an obedient slave. When she was fastened into the gown, she sat down before Rach's own small mirror to don her jewelry a piece at a time and then to carefully paint her lips and eyes. As the seamstress had shown her, she traced the outer edges of her ears and earlobes in the same color as her eyelids. The effect was both exotic and alluring. The slave woman seemed completely amazed at what she was doing. She was probably astonished that Malta had such womanly skills as these. Oh, this is like, I don't know if Rach is like knows what the paint makes her look like. I'm guessing yes. She does make a comment later, so she clearly does know. But she's just sitting there like amazed, like, okay, what are you doing? Because obviously we're not going out tonight. We're not going to Harvest Ball. So it's just like dress up time. There's like an odd smile on your face. Like what's going on? And then the Shimshay arrives and then Rach starts to get a little more frantic. Well, she Malta says that she only seemed mildly alarmed. And where was her young lady off to? An evening at Kitten Shoyev's house, Malta told her. Kitten's mother and father had arranged a puppeteer to come and amuse her and her younger brother while the parents went to the harvest ball. It was well known that Kitten's ankle was still quite painful since her pony had thrown her. Malta was going to go over and cheer her up. As they both had to miss the harvest ball, they might as well do it together. Malta had had complete confidence in her own casual eyes. Rach had been taken in completely nodding and smiling and saying that she did not doubt at all that Kitten would be well amused. So clearly Rach knows Malta is dressed it's like something inappropriately. <laughs> but also, Rach doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. Again, what is up with these adults in Malta's life? Just being like, well, none of my business. You do you, 12-year-old girl. Like, what? <laughs> at some point, you have to assume, like, Malta got the okay from their parents, right? Like, why else would she have this gown that's obviously very expensive? Why like, would she have to have me hold on to an expensive right. gown? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Rach isn't in her right mind. She's grieving. She's been a slave for a while and everything like that. Sure. But at some point, like you have to assume permission came from somewhere. If there's a shimshay coming, there's a 12-year-old girl, right? Arrange it with the other people's family, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. People just don't lie and go to the balls on their own because who would be so stupid to do that? A 12-year-old girl. <laughs> Only Malta. <laughs> but like, okay, not to be horrible, but I highly doubt this is like the first time in Malta's life that she's dipping her toe into just making stuff up on the fly. There's no way Malta just at 12 years old decided to become a huge liar all of the time. She had to have always sort of told lies, right? Which makes, which makes me more frustrated. Because clearly Malta is somebody who is willing to lie over nothing, will lie all of the time, and just does whatever she wants, thinking that she like she's better than everybody else. Like people like that have an air about them, and like 
it's not, you know what I mean? I don't know how to explain this better, but it, it just feels like there had to have been a pattern before this moment in time that would say Malta isn't a very trustworthy person and she does whatever she wants. How do you know that she's doesn't seem very trustworthy to everybody else? Rach hasn't been there her whole life. No, but she's been there over a year. Yeah, sure. And she doesn't have to be caught in the past year. Malta is seen from the outside as very, very pushy into her own opinions and like what she wants to do. But in like Kefria's mind and Ronica's like, she doesn't really come up as like, she's crazy. She's wild. That's save for Althea, right? Malta is seen as like, she will obey and do what like we're doing. In all of the perspectives that we get, there's nothing like she is going to be dishonest about what she does. From her point of view, this is the first time that we see like, oh, she just casually lies on a whim to get like her way. I guess. In the first 17 chapters, we don't see any any like hint that, yes, Malta is a brat. Sure. We see that from Wintrow's point of view. But we don't get anything like that from her mother or her grandmother, really. So maybe maybe Rach doesn't know that she lies casually. Maybe Rach doesn't know that she is a dishonest person or, you know, wants to get her way. She's she's there as an indentured servant <laughs> and right. was, is there to obey, I'm sure, most things. So at some point, it's like not my job. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Literally doesn't get paid enough. <laughs> she's not getting paid you know Um, what i mean like i from from what i get from kefra's point of view like none of those concerns came up about malta really it's the the arguing of like but i want to go to harvest ball and it's mostly directed at kyle giving into those demands right i guess i mean she was pretty mad at malta for conniving and lying about like her friend or exaggerating about what her friend's going to do right misrepresenting her like yes and telling her father things that like weren't her father's business and like going behind her back basically. But she seemed very shocked by that. I guess, I guess. See, I, I like rereading this chapter too. I had to put my perspective, like shift my perspective on that because I came in with it. Like she's a horrible person. Everyone should know this, but I really don't think they do because that's how she can plan all this and get away with it. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It just. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. It's just like, I guess you're so unconvinced. (laughs) It's just like there's a lot of negligence going on at best for her to get away with this much. You know what I mean? Like every adult in her life had to fail her for her to be able to get away with this is my opinion. How little attention was given to Malta that she could fully spend four gold coins on an outfit book a shimshe for the evening and you know what like just going to town you know you're not checking in every 20 minutes they don't got phones so why are they letting her go into town by herself obviously it's a common occurrence (laughs) i guess well yeah i don't i don't know could be meeting friends you know she just could be going to like hey i'm gonna go down and grab a slushy from the local corner store And yeah, go I in for her know. dress fitting, you know? I also, coming from the background of my parents never let me do anything ever. So, like, <laughs> I don't understand how a kid could get away with this, but that's my own narrative spilling in. 
people had a lot more freedom back in the day. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Probably even during my day, people had more freedom. My parents are very strict. Um, All they had to do was come back home when somebody yelled out the door, dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, we have Malta here getting away with the greatest heist of all time, basically. But I do also want to point out something that we haven't touched on yet is that every time Malta refers to Rach, she calls her the slave woman. Occasionally it's Rach's name, but most often it's the slave or the slave woman. And that's so interesting because we know Kefria and Veronica Veronica both don't think of her as a slave. Yeah. Malta Malta does use her name, Rach, a lot, but... As you said, like having an obedient slave woman is very nice. The slave woman helped her put on the dress. She, I'm pretty sure, uses the word slave or slave woman more than she uses Rachel's name. She uses it more than Yarnica and Kefria do, that's for sure. Yeah. And I don't know. So I think that's a really interesting thing, too, is like. Learned behavior. Learned behavior. But also just like how chill she is with the idea of a human being lesser because she's a slave and not thinking like, Hey, maybe if she knows all this information, it's because at one point she was in a similar position to me. And no, a slave is a slave. She's 12 years old. She doesn't have critical thinking. Yeah, like that. Apparently not. So she giggles with Dello about it too. Yeah. They make fun of Rach. Well, maybe not make, well, yeah, probably make fun. They're making fun of her. There's <laughs> how, like, how, how could a slave woman know how to dance? Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But Malta is is very overwhelmed with excitement and she's hyping herself up. She's like, I'm doing it. I'm actually doing this. She says it gave her a heady sense of power to have finally stepped forward and taken control of her own life. She did not realize how tired she had grown of staying home and being her mother's child. Her mother was so staid and matronly and settled. She never did anything that people did not expect of her. And she talks a little bit about how the last year her house had been the most boring place while grandfather was dying not that it had ever been exciting not like other people's homes who hosted you know get-togethers and dinners and you know brought troops of jugglers and everything like that and a bunch of gossip things about entertainment that other trader families have had but no there was never anything like that at the vestrid house Grandmother used to have some old lady traders over, but all they did was sit in a room and embroider together and sip wine and talk about how much better everything used to be, which definitely see that happening. True. Like Vestrit's pretty boring as a family. Yeah, fair. That's that's a fair point. (laughs) She says that when grandfather's illness became severe, grandmother stopped inviting anyone over to the house and everything had been quiet and boring and dim and dull and all these sorts of things since then. Mother even stopped playing her harp in the evenings. Not that Malta had missed it. Whenever Mama played, she tried to teach Malta the notes as well. Sitting about plucking harp strings was not Malta's idea of an interesting evening. Yeah, so this is an insight, I think. And it does make me feel a little sympathetic towards Malta. Immediately overshadowed with how she treats a a Shimshay boy. But it would be hard to be 11 and be dealing with death and sickness in your home. You're shut inside all day. All of your friends get to go out and do things and are having cool things happening, whether or not they're true. They're at least having cool stories. And you're 12. You don't really understand like 
the gravity of the feelings that people had for your grandfather. Right. And who was gone like 75% of the year. (laughs) Right. And who you clearly aren't close with. Like I get why she would be annoyed and with the adults and nobody else is going through it. So nobody else can be like, Hey, I like it's happening with me too. And it's really sad. Or there's nobody there to explain to her why things are happening. She's just seeing it as, Which Oh, should we're just be Kefria's job. Yes. Kefria should be there with her daughter. And like, I don't know. Kefria could do better. Like I was really, <laughs> so could Ronica. I, Ronica I mean, could have been the better whole family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody's parenting skills needs some work. <laughs> But I don't know. I think we get this little glimpse of Malta just wants something fun to happen again. And if her family would have just like done something, I feel like maybe this wouldn't have happened. If they not that. Listen, it's grief. Your dad, your husband has died. You're not thinking about going to do something fun. You're not going to want to do something fun. I totally understand that. But I think knowing that you have kids and knowing that they're not really understanding the process, there are things they could have done to make it so that their kids had still some semblance of normalcy in their life. But I guess also they're super poor now and they probably can't afford to do stuff. Right. So it's a little bit of being poor and a little bit of grief. And I don't know, it's just really sad overall. Leads Malta to make drastic steps. Yes. Because... Almost get dropped off in public. Oh. The Shimshay driver. <laughs> yeah. She's supposed to be in a carriage because that's how traders normally come to the trader balls. But obviously she can't take a carriage because then her family would know that she's going. <laughs> this this whole scene, this next scene feels like one of those old movies about, well, probably new ones too. They all have the same scene of the parents driving the kid to school a new school and they're like, no, 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 stop to block down. I want to get out here and walk to school. I don't want to be seen with my parents. It's embarrassing. Right. And the driver just kind of like almost gets to the main circle, drops her off and then laughs about how angry she is. She pays him not a penny more than he is owed. And then like has the audacity to say, Hey, come back and meet me at midnight. I'm going to go home. You're going to bring me back home. You'll be right here. And he's like, Yeah. I'll make sure to do that without a doubt, young mistress, <laughs> he said sarcastically. Right. She uh, she kind of goes into it like that's not when the harvest ball ended, but she can't push the anger too far, basically. Right. She in Malta's mind, she's going to go present herself as a woman by herself. She's going to make up a sob story because poor pitiful her. She had to come alone because her family's being horrible and they wanted to mourn instead of let her be a woman this year. So poor her. And she thinks everybody's going to take her side and be so awestruck at how strong and womanly she is and then she's going to leave and then she's going to tell her family and they're going to be upset because of course they will be she went against their rules but ultimately they'll see that she really is a woman now and they're going to respect that yeah good luck with your fantasy there malta oh that's how you know she's 12 like (laughs) also i mean the other part of it is she wants to leave before midnight because at midnight is when the the presentation 
with the Rainwild traders happens because there's always representatives from the Rainwilds at these gatherings. Yes. And sometimes they take off their masks, which is scary. And she doesn't want to be there for that, which doesn't sound like an adult thing to me, yeah. Malta. One year when Malta was only seven, the representative from the Rainwilds had unmasked for the presentation. Malta had been dumbfounded at his body. It was as if a child had begun as a human, but in growing had somehow outgrown the human body, putting out odd bones, unusual height, flesh that might have pouched organs unknown to a human's body. She had been in awe when her grandfather touched hands with him and called him brother. Her grandfather had put their family's presentation into the Rainwild's man's hands himself. For many nights afterwards, when the images of the Rainwilder had given her nightmares, she had taken comfort in knowing how brave her grandfather was. She need fear no such monsters. Still, midnight sharp, she repeated. So, yeah, seven years old, that would probably give you nightmares. They are somebody that's different. They've probably not been explained to you or not that you could understand why they are different. Right. And has a good memory about Efren here, actually. Yeah, except she takes the wrong things from it. Yes. It's It's like, oh, he was so brave to not fear them and to touch him Not fear that monster. Yeah. And it's like... (laughs) Or he saw them as human beings because technically they are humans. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe technically they're not human. They're like some weird elderling off shoot. But still, they are human in a lot of ways. And instead of seeing like, oh, there's humanity to be found in people, even if they look different. Malta's like, wow, my grandpa's so brave for touching a monster and calling him brother. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to leave before the monsters come out, basically. Yes. Yeah. And is worried, like, hey, what if the Shimshade driver doesn't come back? I don't want to walk home in the slippers. Oh, well, I'm going to push that aside for now, not worry about it. She's not going to let it ruin her night. Yes. And then stays in the shadows and watches for a while to see what other families are coming up and entering the ball. She's kind of watching all of the fashion that's flowing through. The girls wore the last of the... Uh, the last of the year's flowers in their hair. Little boys were scrubbed and groomed to implausible orderliness. And the men, for a time, Malta stood in the shadows and watched almost greedily as they stepped down from the carriages or dismounted from horses. The fathers and grandfathers she quickly dismissed. With her eyes, she followed the young husbands and the men, so obviously and flamboyantly still single. She watched them as they arrived, and she wondered, How did one choose? How did a woman know? There were so many kinds, and yet in her whole lifetime a woman could possess but one, or two perhaps if her husband died young and left her a widow, while she could yet bear children. Still, she supposed, if one truly loved her husband, she wouldn't hope for that to happen, no matter how curious she might be. Still, it did not seem fair. And she kind of goes over, you know, a few people that she sees, and one of them is Rode Cairn. Roed? Roed Cairn. And describes him a bit, and <laughs> she remembers something that Dello had told her about uh, Roed, saying, oh, but he's a cruel one, she had said so knowingly, and then only rolled her eyes when Malta had demanded to know what she had meant. Jealousy gnawed at Malta's heart that Dello knew such things, and she did not. Dello doesn't know either. Right. She's just repeating something that she heard, and then rolling her eyes to seem like she knows more. Yeah. I don't know. This this whole paragraph is like, oh, she's so young. Like these are the things that your mom was hinting at that you needed to know. Like, right. And like this is like education. <laughs> also, like the fact that they have heard somebody say that he's a cruel one, and then 
don't know what that means. And she's like, well, probably isn't anything bad because nobody told me what it meant. Instead of being like, hmm, cruel is in a way I would describe somebody that I would want to see as a potential match. Yeah. That's a red flag. <laughs> what What is he doing that the general populace says he's a cruel one? Like, how bad is he? Hey, they go away- for bad boys. Well, how bad is he away from prying eyes, let alone in front of a crowd that people he's known as the cruel one? Ugh. And she's like, well, at least he's hot. Like, ah, <laughs> no. Della's brother frequently invited his friends to dine at his home. Rowan was one such. Oh, why couldn't she have a brother like Serwin, who rode and hunted and had handsome friends, instead of doltish Wintrow with his saggy brown robes and beardless chin? She followed Rowan's striking steps with striding steps with her eyes and marked how he gave way suddenly with a deep and courtly bow to allow a young woman to precede him into the hall. Her husband looked none too pleased as his at his gallantry. So she's kind of watching all these families. There's another family right after this that comes up, and kind of eyeing up all of these young men and just never really knowing. She describes this one, Creon or Cryon. His hands were gloved. They had terrible scars from when he stumbled into a fire as a child. He was ashamed of his hands and modest, too, of the poetry he wrote. He never read it aloud himself, leaving that task to his devoted sisters. His hair was auburn, and as a boy, he had been freckled as an egg. His eyes were green. Dello had confided to Malta that she, had, he, she thought she was in love with him. Someday, she said, she hoped to be the one to to stand before chosen friends and read his latest verses aloud. Such a gentle spirit, Dello had breathed and then sighed. So obviously, like, yes, Dello is having big crushes on some of the friends that Serwin has over. And Malta just isn't really there. She's just kind of fascinated. She's not really crushing on any of these. Like, okay, he's kind of handsome. He's cute. Sure. But how do you pick? Like, what's, what's going on with these people? It's so funny to see someone want to be an adult so bad and to like have clearly seen some things herself and is just trying to emulate that. She doesn't even have crushes yet. And maybe it is because she's not around them and around young boys her age or a little bit older enough to develop a crush. I mean, me personally, like third grade. So was that like eight years old? I had a crush on everybody all the time. Everybody's <laughs> cute. I would love, I love everybody. That's how I always was. But like some people aren't like that and Malta isn't, and she doesn't understand how you can just like. Proximity is definitely probably a thing too. Oh you know? yeah, for so. sure. For sure. If you have an older brother and they have friends over, I guess I didn't have an older brother that lived with me. So I don't know what it's like to have older boys around that are cute. Like, (laughs) but I imagine that it would be easy to be like, oh, this one's cute or whatever. (laughs) They're nicer to me than the other friends. So that one's cute. (laughs) And Malta, Malta says so. She says she longed to be in love. She longed to know more of men, to speak knowingly of this one or that, to blush at the mention of a name or frown sternly at the glance of dark eyes. Her mother was wrong, wrong when she said there was plenty of time to wait to be a woman. The years of being a woman with a choice were far too few. All too soon, women married and grew fat with babies. Malta did not dream of a solid husband and a well-filled crib. She hungered for this, these nights in the shadows, these hungers of the soul, and the attention of men who could not claim to possess her. Which is completely valid. 
And it's especially daunting for somebody in this environment, in this city, because there's such an emphasis on marrying and having kids. And that's how you measure wealth, especially for the Rainwild traders specifically, but Bingtown to an extension as well. They're, yeah. You're pressured, I'm sure, well, incredibly not, hard. Not just wealth, but status. Yeah, yeah. And your reputation is on the line. I mean, think about Althea. She's, what, 18, we said, and not married. And sure, she's like fine. She herself is fine, but she doesn't have to sit there in town and be talked about as not being married. Yeah, and, I, I think she's still okay as a non-married person, but like getting up there. Right. <laughs> but I'm trying to say, like, that's weird. And it has it was made evident to us before this chapter that it was weird by Althea herself that like people her parents are talking about how she needs to find a man. People are constantly talking about how she needs to settle down already. And Althea doesn't really pay attention to it. She doesn't care. But like that's the society they live in. And it really does break my heart for Malta that this is a society and she so badly does not want to be a part of it, but also does want to be a part of it. Right. And like, I think about how her father must have talked about her mom while she was pregnant with her younger brother or just about the other women being pregnant for her to consistently talk about women as being like fat with babies, the word fat, especially like, they're growing a human life. That's not fat. <laughs> like, And even if it was, why is that a bad thing? Like, it's very clear that Kyle has his input on what a woman should be. And that has affected his daughter. I do. So, yeah, I, I do agree with that. And I lean towards that. But I do want to say I didn't read fat with babies in that, like, she was assigning fat to a negative context. Because you just meant like super pregnant. Yeah. That because I've I've read phrases like that in other books as well. And I feel I mean, this is just me ascribing my anecdotal knowledge right. to this as well. It, it definitely could be that because it's Kyle involved and right. Malta. But um I just thought it was like a, a descriptor to it. And I don't want to assign values nowadays about body image to these books because it doesn't she doesn't talk about that really this is the the only time that she mentions fat okay fair enough that i think i I mean i could be wrong right i guess i've just never really heard that phrase before outside of this book so maybe i'm just not as familiar with it maybe i'm just remembering from this book of (laughs) other books i've read you know i I mean i I don't know if i've never i don't know if i should say i've never heard it it just isn't something that seems familiar to me as it's very but, archaic way to put things, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. I don't know. I still think in general is a negative way it to is, say yeah. somebody's pregnant. 100% it is a negative way. Yes. I guess I think I've heard fat with a baby been used to describe an animal before. <laughs> that's like, fair. I don't yeah. like, I don't know. But maybe that's also why I'm like, hate that phrasing. Don't love that she's using that. Maybe. But anyway, I think also though that... What she actually wants is to not have the pressure of what this society has deemed what a woman can be. Right. And she thinks if I just start younger, then the pressure will be off for longer. And that's not how it works. That just means that you have to deal with that pressure sooner. 
she talks about her how her mom was only was only a single woman for one season and then got married right away, which we don't know if that's true. Um, That's what Malta seems to think, but also Malta doesn't seem to understand that her dad isn't a traitor or from a traitor family, which also doesn't make sense because then why isn't his family there? You know what I mean? Like sometimes Malta really evades my brain of like, how do you think this way? Like my mom only does what's expected of her except she didn't do that at all. <laughs> she did rebel by marrying a non-traitor boy. I mean, some of these these balls are not necessarily... I mean, does it ever say that they're traitor exclusive? This one is. Does it? Is it say that somewhere? The old traitors are... Or the Rainwild people are there. Mm, I highly doubt anybody but the yeah. old traitors are going to be there. That's fair. I could be wrong. Yeah. No, that, that that is fair. There are other gatherings, though, other balls, because they say there's like once a month. So yeah, but they do call them capital T trader balls. Yeah, which in my mind, but uh, like for other other things from uh, was it Althea's point of view that they have some sort of gathering once a month. I'm sure they're not all mm, exclusive. So there's fair probably met at one of those balls and. You know, Kyle impressed the family. Is like, yeah, maybe not be a traitor, but you are a long-established family here. Fair enough. Okay, sure. Ships, so, I feel like she didn't fully rebel, but it was probably outside of the plans that they had. Right. <laughs> the, the parents. I guess we'll get to the exact thing I'm talking about later. But yeah, for right we got now, a long way to go in the chapter. Yet. Yes, we're already pretty far in the episode. <laughs> yeah. For right now, Malta. It just is very evident she's a young girl oh, yeah. who doesn't quite grasp. She knows some of the negatives of how the world works, but she doesn't understand why they work that way. And so she can't go against it in a way that makes sense. It's just what makes sense to her because that's how she knows it works. And I don't know. Again, she's 12. She doesn't have the wherewithal to know. You don't always know everything and you need to take more information in before you act. Instead, she's just going to act because she knows best. Based off of nothing. <laughs> but watching all these families go into the ball, she's kind of wishing that her family was there as well. She on her father's arm walking in with her mother and grandmother, making sure everything was looking good on her makeup and everything was straight with her hair, things like that. But as she further thinks along that train of thought, you know, the image of Wintrow with his brown, like rumpled priest robes, and spindly arms walking after them. Her mother's matronly dresses that were all too modest and boring. Like all of that just kind of puts a damper on that thought. And she's like, I'm not ashamed of my family. And I would have enjoyed having them here if only they knew how to behave properly and could dress well. And that's kind of like the prevailing thought. It's just like, I love my family. I want them here if they were like the other families. Right. But, you know, she's going to go this alone. She's going to be married. She's going to laugh. Right. And she blames her family for, like, she offered to let them be part of this moment. And they declined. Even though that's not what happened. She wanted to do this. They said no. And she decided to do it without telling them. That's not the same as them saying, no, we don't want to be part of this. (laughs) But she, like is now trying to spin this into a narrative of poor pitiful me. I'm the victim here and my family hates me and I'm going to make everybody take pity on me. This, this paragraph here is what you were kind of describing before is like a 12 year old's 
fantasy of the victim. And it's so funny. (laughs) If she was to enter life as a woman, Malta would have to do it on her own. And she would be brave, allowing only a hint of her tragedy and loneliness to show on her face. Oh, she would be merry tonight, laughing and charming, but in an unguarded moment. Perhaps one knowing eye would look at her and know the neglect she suffered at home, ignored and passed over by her family. She took a deep breath and walked forward towards the torchlight and wide, beckoning doors. It's it's literally like imagining your night as a movie. Right. Or, or some book. <laughs> yeah. You know? I'm going to be the best character in a book. Like, but someone's oh. going to look at me and like, no, oh, there's deep sorrow in those eyes because she's all alone. Her like, family clearly <laughs> neglects her. So, That's why she's in such a expensive looking dress. <laughs> right. Ah, It's so weird. Anyways, now the trails are pulling up and she recognizes them. Yes. As she steps forward into the light is when the trails come forward. She gets very excited because this means that she and Dello can walk in together and they can at least she'll have that her friend by her side and they could both be women tonight. But she has to wait until the uh, the parents go in first because she wants to avoid awkward questions about why, you know, mama and grandmother were not there. Still, it would be so fun to go arm in arm with Dello, two dazzling young women on, of the Bingtown Traders entering society together. Because, as we said before, Dello implied that she's going to be introduced as a woman tonight to Malta. I think she flat out told Malta she would be. Yeah, probably. Because yeah. Malta said... That she told her. <laughs> so as Malta hoped, her Dello's parents went out first and Malta is able to kind of get up behind and kind of greet Sirwin and Dello by herself. Right. She does mention that uh, the appearance of Dello's parents are so beautiful and elegant and put together. And she really wishes that that's what her mom looked like. And her mom doesn't. So... <laughs> So she goes forward and Sarwin gets out. And she kind of describes him a bit, saying he also looked very beautiful and very nice. Like his father, his coat and trousers were blue, his boots a softly gleaming black. He wore a single gold earring in one ear, and his black hair was daringly curled into long locks. Malta, who had known him all her life, suddenly felt an odd little shiver in her belly. Never before had he looked so handsome to her. She longed to astonish him with her presence. Instead, she herself was astonished when Dello finally appeared in the carriage door. Her dress echoed the color of her mother's, but that is where the resemblance stopped. She is wearing a little girl's frock. Yep, with flowers in her hair and... And braids. Braids, the short skirts, everything like that. She wore no jewelry at all. And Malta could not contain herself. She bounds up and saying, like, you said your mama promised you would wear a gown this year. What happened? And Della looked up at Malta miserably, and then her eyes widened in astonishment and her mouth opened. Sirwin steps in front of Dello, saying, I don't believe you would you could know my sister. Sirwin, Malta exclaimed in annoyance. She peered past him at Dello. What happened? Dello's eyes widened another fraction. Malta, is that you? Of course it's me. Did your mama change her mind? And nasty suspicion began to unfold. You know, you must have had fittings. You must have, you know, you must have known that you weren't going to be allowed to wear a gown. And Dello's like, I didn't think you'd be here. 
And the older brother is like Malta Vestrit. His eyes moved over her in a way that she knew she was that she knew was rude. Rude or not, it made her another shiver run over her. It's yucky. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and then just to finish out the scene, then one of Serwin's friends comes up and says, like, Trell, is that you? Good to see you. And who is this? His incredulous glance went from Malta to Serwin. You can't bring her to the harvest ball, friend. You know it's only for traitors. Something in his tone made Malta uncomfortable. Obviously, she's being perceived as something else than a traitor woman. Right. It's yeah. a lot of people see her and do not recognize her as Malta Vestrit, which I guess is good. But also makes me wonder, like, how different does she look? And I know that makeup can make you look a little bit different. And like, obviously, she's wearing it in like a way that is different. But like. Is it that different between wearing like wearing a sexy dress and a regular dress? You know what I mean? She's never worn makeup before. And if it is how uh, how prostitutes wear makeup and wear dresses, like not what you're expecting. And you think the vestments aren't coming. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And it's probably a lot of makeup. Yeah, true. I remember being 12. (laughs) (laughs) So another carriage pulls up and it's uh, Devad Restart this time. And of course, Maltz is describing him as, you know, portly, clumsy glory. He's nearly tumbling out into the street. He's wearing the same thing he did last year. Yeah, and probably the year before that. But I do just want a quick pause. So there is this moment of... Dello obviously wanted Malta to think that she got to present herself as a woman this year, which I think is really weird because they would have gone to another dance together and she wouldn't have been in women's dress. So what was her plan? And like, I don't know. It just is like, oh, it's that's a weird lie to tell somebody. It just, I don't know. It doesn't make 13 sense. 13 year old person. I don't know. Yeah, I suppose. But yeah, it's. It goes to show the competence of Malta's lie. <laughs> True, I guess. But like, uh, and then all the men like looking her up and down and being like, mm. like 12 year olds still look like 12 year olds in makeup. You know what I mean? I don't know. I read it more as like astonishment and not actually checking you out, but. I guess, I guess, I don't know. It just. But it kind of you know, equates to the same thing at this moment. Yeah. It just is like a weird, like, I don't know, especially because after this, all the boys start to kind of like her and it's just like, she's 12, she's 12, she's 12 and you are 16, 17 and like should not be finding that attractive. No, he has to be older than 16 because Brashen was saying that Althea could realistically marry his brother which means they can't be that far apart in age because there's no way he'd be like my 16 year old brother would do great with this 19 year old. He's probably as old as uh rain is, which is like 20. Ugh, hate that. hate that so much. Yep. Okay. Anyway, we're going to just, <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. I don't like that either. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Devada is here and she could have easily stepped away and avoided disaster as he was kind of stumbling out of his carriage Instead, she was there as Devad caught his balance by snatching at the door and then trod squarely on the hem of her dress. 
Oh, I beg pardon, I do, he declared fervently, and then the words died on his lips as he looked her up and down. So transformed was she that for a time she was sure he did not recognize her. She could not resist. She smiled at him. Good evening, traitor Restart. I trust you are well. He Still he goggled at her. Malta? Malta Vestrit? And then there's a, another carriage that's coming out. It's very resplendent in green and gilt. Rainwild colors. That would be the representatives from the Rainwild families. And the ball would begin as soon as they were seated. So very, very shortly it's going to start everything. And then that's when behind her the friend that came up of Sirwins is like, wait, that's Malta Vestrit? Right. Like, what's going on? This isn't a woman that. of the night that you found. Yes. Which I do want to wrap up saying there is nothing wrong with with sex work with anything. sex workers. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. But like in this context, probably not the appropriate time and place. Not number one, not what you want to look like as a twelve year old <laughs> at all. <Yeah. laughs> and number two, like. There's got to be a dress code to this thing. And like, I think even a sex worker would know to follow a dress code. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Not even a dress code. No, like, like anybody, anybody would literally know. <laughs> any adult, anybody with a brain would know you follow dress codes. There are a reason that there's a dress code. You just follow that. And oh my God. So like, just want to say, I don't find anything wrong with sex work, but I think it is like in this connotation that is why it's negative. It like, is not not what twelve year olds time and place are appropriate or anything about no. the situation is good. So no, no. <laughs> Devon is sitting there like, what is going on? He's she's enjoying the way the astonished way his eyes leapt from the necklace at her throat to the lace that frothed at her bosom. He suddenly glanced behind her. She turned, but there was no one there. Dello had gone into the ball without her. She turned back to Devon, but he was staring wildly about. And the door to the Wayne Wild carriage is opening, and he suddenly seizes her by the shoulder and thrusts her behind him, almost inside the still open door to the carriage. Be still, say nothing at all. He's trying to hide her from the Rain Wild representatives. Which he has clumsy and not at all tactful in conversation. He's very aware that this is a bad situation and does his best to rectify it. Right. Like as much as I don't like Devad and I think that his morals are shaky at best, he does try to help a friend out here. Like he knows that this is not something that his, no, the Vestrits don't need this for their reputation at the moment. And also there's no way the Vestrits okayed this. And he is not going to let this little 12 year old ruin her reputation and life and her family's life by just letting it happen. And this is the like first adult coming into her life and be like, nope, you're done here. And I appreciate him for that. And I yes. think that that is a win, maybe one of the very few that he has. But in this moment, he does think on his feet and he hides her. He knows that he's a bigger man. So he hides her behind him and has her keep quiet. And when the trader, the Rainwild traders come out, he greets them and tries to say that he left something in his carriage so he'll have to go back, but to enjoy their time. Yes, and they seem to expect him uh, inside at some point to talk to him, which is an excuse later that he needs to leave early from the right. Vestrits, but at least they pass on by. They don't seem to suspect anything. They don't mention the girl behind right. him. Right, and so he passes that, turns around, and is like demanding, where is your grandmother? 
where is your mother? And she says she should have lied. She could have said that they had already gone in or that she had just stepped out now for a breath of cooler air. Instead, she said simply, I've come alone. She glanced aside from him and spoke more softly, adult to adult. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Since grandfather died, I'm afraid they've become more housebound than ever. It's so sad. But I knew that if I did not get out and about, I should simply go mad. You can't imagine how gloomy it has been for me. She gasped as he clutched her arm more tightly and urged her towards the coach. Quickly, before anyone else sees you. You haven't spoken to anyone else, have you? And then just says, well, Dello and Sirwin and maybe one of his friends. <laughs> right. I just arrived. Let go of me. You're messing my dress. And shoves her in and says, we're going back to the vestrates. Quick, go. Go, 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 go. Right. It's, <laughs> she's like. Oh, perfect. A chance for me to try out my little pity party. Well, you see, oh, it's so I'm terrible. so glad you asked. My family hates me and they wanted me to wither away doing nothing at home. But I had to get out just like us adults do. Like, girl, what? <laughs> oh, and then uh, I, I hate this paragraph maybe the most out of all of them because it shows like her mindset about certain things. She says, it both frightened and shocked her the way he shoved her into his carriage and climbed determinedly in after her. What did he have in mind? She had heard tales of men driven by passion and lust to do impulsive things, but Devad Rastart? He was old. The idea was too disgusting. He slammed the door and by the time, but this time it refused to catch. He held it shut as he called up driver to the Vestra townhouse quickly. That's not great for a 12-year-old to hear about town or from friends groups and that to be like not. She was like it says she's she's frightened. Right. Right. But But more so because he's old. Yeah. And not because like she was the way this is written kind of phrases it like she was hoping this would happen with a younger man. Right. And like. Maybe she wasn't hoping, not, but yeah, she knew hoping, it was but possible, like, but like... But also doesn't know what it is, right? Right. Like, just to do impulsive things. Right. And also, like... She's just so young. She's, and she's so she young and child. naive. And, like, the fact that I it never it. crossed her mind that I maybe so an much. old man could do that, too. Nothing happens, obviously. And thankfully, nothing happens. And Devad is only having her best interest at heart here. He's not going to do anything. Right. But... The fact that it hasn't even crossed her mind that anybody could have done this to her and the way she's dressed, nobody would have thought anything of it. That's the scarier thing, I think, is that nobody recognized her as Malta Vestret. And so she lost that security that has kept her from this world in general anyway. And she doesn't know anything about it. Like she no. she literally doesn't understand any of the implications that you're talking about, which no, is doubly it's, scary. <laughs> it's just like, not that anybody deserves it and not that anybody should have it happen. It's just like, obviously her privileges have blinded her to the fact that like she is in a very safe bubble and, and her she, youth. And her youth. And like, as she should be as a 12 year old, like 12 year old shouldn't have to think about that stuff, but it is the real world. And if she's going to present herself as a woman, she should at least know that. And that's the kind of thing that her mother was trying to tell her. That's what Kefria literally said. Like, to, I think it was to Kyle. Like, yes, I need to teach her how to stave off unwanted advances, you know, properly right. in a public setting, you know, Which, just like, to, to be fair, if somebody 
uh, right. unwantedly yeah. advances on you, any answer is proper. You don't need to respect his feelings, but right. obviously but that's not the case in this society. Different society, you know. I mean, even in our was, society. That was, but... that was part of her planned instruction of what she like told Kyle, like, I need to teach her how to do this stuff, but she doesn't understand. So she is frightened at first, like, this may be what people were talking about. And then Devad's looks like, nope, we're, we're going to go back to the you home. <laughs> and she's like, no, let me out. I want to go to the ball. You're not my father. And he's like, no, I'm not your father. And tonight I think saw I am not, for I am sure if I'd have no idea what to do with you. Poor Ronica, after everything else she's been through this year, wasn't it bad enough that your aunt vanished completely without you presenting yourself at the harvest ball, dressed like a Jamalian strumpet? What will your father say about this? And she's like, oh, I specifically had this dress made with the money my papa left me, I might add. So I scarcely think he would be angry that I had used it as he suggested. What he might want to know, however, is what you mean by snatching his young daughter off the street and dragging her off against her will. I do not think he will be pleased. And just expects him to talk back to her the way that he would talk to an adult. Well, no, not even that. She just... She's seen her grandmother cow Devad multiple times and by being angry and snapping at him. And she expects that Devad will react the same way he does to her, which is to back off and say, oh, well, okay, I'll let you have your way. But she's not her grandmother. No, she doesn't have that response. So, of course, his response is to laugh at her. That, like, yeah. It's insane that she thinks her father would be okay with this. And I do kind of wonder after reading this, what would Kyle have said? What Because it is hard because on one hand, he would know what Jamalian lady of the night dressed like, right? He's he, been around. I was thinking about this. He would come back and be mad at Kefria for not guiding her in the proper dress to wear. Fair. It wouldn't be her fault. Yeah. I was trying to, because I'm like, I don't know, because he kind of seems to take take her side all the time. But like, if she cried enough about it, would he still let her wear it? You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Like. Yeah. He's, but Devad is like. There's no way. But yeah. Like, let him come to me. If he's angry still, let him come to me and say that I was trying to save his reputation. So like, I don't care. You're going home now. I am yeah. bringing you. Like, I'm not afraid of your dad. It's like You ought to be ashamed of yourself. This is no way to do this. And then daring to show yourself to the harvest ball. Like, I pray to saw that no one else recognized you and nothing you can say will convince me that your mother or grandmother knew anything of that dress or your coming to the ball when any proper girl would still be mourning her grandfather. She could have said a dozen things in reply to that. A week later, she had thought of them all and knew exactly how she would should have said them. But of course, she doesn't think of anything because she's 12. And, and it's in the moment. I mean, everyone has Honestly, those shower thoughts later. But. Relatable. Like <laughs> you're in the middle of an argument and you get too heated and you just can't think of anything. And then later you're like, oh, this was the perfect comeback. Uh, she has some of her dress tear in his carriage because she's kind of careless when she's rushing out, not waiting for him to get out or anything like that. She's obviously upset about her dress tearing a bit. Right. And. When he knocks on the door, Nana answers. Why didn't it have to be Nana of all people? And she just looked affronted and then gave a gasp of horror as she recognizes Malta and says, no, it cannot be you. What have you done? What have you done? Which the scream brings everybody down there. And her mother is uh, there first. 
firing a dozen angry questions at Devad Restart, none of which he could answer. And then Ronica comes down, about to, you know, admonish everybody like, hey, don't make such a noise. It's late at night. We should all be sleeping. And at the sight of her, grandmother had suddenly gone pale. She had dismissed all the servants save Nana, who had sent off for tea. She gripped Malta firmly by the wrist as she led led her down the hall to what had been grandfather's study. Only when Devad, Kefria, and Malta were inside and the door shut firmly had she turned to her. Explain yourself, she commanded. And explains like, yeah, I wanted to go to Harvest Ball. Pop left me money. Made the dress. Whatever. My dad said that I could and that I could go in a gown as befitted a young woman. I've done nothing I'm ashamed of. Her dignity was impeccable. Then you are truly as empty headed as you appear to be, her grandmother says, dismissing <laughs> her completely. <laughs> like, yes, Ronica, tell her. Also, like, no, Ronica, she's 12. <laughs> but like, oh, I hate. I hate Malta so much in this moment. Like, and, oh, just all the little like I'm an adult and I expect to be treated that way. No, no you're not. Clearly, you you're don't not. Understand it? Ugh, you're. But I love that Ronnie is just like, well, then I guess you are empty-headed. Anyway, and let's then, talk to the adults. Yeah, dismisses her and talks to Devad and thanks him for whisking her home and hoping that he didn't put his own reputation at stake for bringing her home here. And asking if many people saw her like that. And he answers, you know, truthfully, not many. He hopes he saved her from the rain wilds, traitors, that sort of thing. And that's why I have to go eventually because they expected to see me there. And I do want to mention that we know as rereaders that the Vintagali family, the traders who were there, did see um, Malta dressed as an adult. That this is the start of rain. Oh, is it? Did they really see her? Yeah, because they say whenever they try to say, well, Malta isn't an adult, so she can't accept the proposal, even though she accepted the gift without. She just doesn't know. She's too young. They said, well, we saw her at the Rain Wild Council meeting, whatever ball Hmm. as a woman. She dressed as a woman. That means by our part of that family. That's not his family. No, the different family. Hmm. Because, I just because I'm pretty sure Rain meets her in like the next ball. She's allowed to wear a dress because she's like damage has already been done, kind of thing. Mm. And I feel like she meets her meets Rain at the next ball, and they like actually talk. Oh, I'm not sure. I guess I just remember that he gives her the dream powder, and she accepts it. And then the their customs that means that she accepted a proposal, and then they try to say, of "Well, she's just a kid." Whatever, yeah. She's just a kid. She doesn't know. And they're like, well, she dresses in the long dresses. So she's not actually. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something with that. I don't remember the exact order, but I'm pretty sure they meet at a ball first and then he sends it after. I didn't think they met at a ball at all. I thought the next time when they like talk is whenever it's the traders meeting, it's not a ball. Uh, We'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so they might have seen her, but they didn't give any indication. Devad thinks he saved it. The situation and is only Serwin and Dello and maybe another of Serwin's friends. So Devad is pretty relatively pleased that he saved the situation a little bit. But also wants to leave. <laughs> but also wants to awkward. leave. Yes. And Ronica saying like, I'm ashamed to and relieved to admit that I knew nothing of this. 
and saying, Kefria, did you know what your daughter was up to? And Ronica continues, and if you did not, how could you not? Which is what you were talking about. Like, right. how did Malta pull this off? Malta had expected her mother to burst into tears. Her mother always burst into tears. Instead, she turned on her daughter. How could you do this to me, she demanded, and why? Oh, Malta, why? There was terrible grief in her words. Didn't I tell you that you only had to wait? That when the time was right, you would be properly presented? What could have persuaded you to do this? Mother looked devastated. Malta knew a moment's uncertainty. I wanted to go to the harvest ball. I told you that. Over and over, I begged to be allowed to go. But you would not listen, even after Papa said I could go. Even after he promised me I could have a proper gown. She paused, waiting for her mother to admit that promise. When she only stared at her aghast, Malta shouted, Well, it's your own fault if you're surprised. I was only doing what Papa had promised me I could do. Something in her mother's face hardened. If you had any idea how badly I would just well, I'd want to slap you just now, you'd keep a more civil tongue, girl. Never had her mother spoken to her like that before. Girl, she called her, as if she were a servant. Why don't you then, Malta demanded furiously. This evening has been ruined for me in every other way. Why don't you just beat me here in front of everyone and have done with it? The tragedy of her ruined plans rose up and choked her. Devadra Start looked aghast. I really must be going, he said hastily. And Ronica's like, oh, sit down, there's tea. Malta's very melodramatic and full of drama. And although beating Malta might make us all feel better at this point, we've never resorted to that yet. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. <laughs> this is like, oh, man. A comedy of horrors. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, yes, Malta, 12 years old. Yeah, my papa promised me I could go to the ball. No, he promised that if the family went, you could go in a gown, right? Yeah, like she's like, misrepresenting <sighs> and like purposely so. I don't know. She's just like, well, you're refusing because you're going around what Papa said. It's like, well, no, he also said that you could only do it if they agreed and they didn't. So yeah. you're going against your dad, too. And yet she doesn't seem to think that way. And the whole like, just beat me now. The rest of my night is ruined anyway. It's like, OK, Malta. Also, the fact that she was aghast that her mother would talk to her the way she would talk to a servant. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just, ugh. Has your mother really never scolded you before? Obviously not. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe if she would have. <laughs> right. Well, here, I, I wanted to point out, because I just saw this again, harking back to our earlier conversation, she uses fat as another demeaning thing. Talking mm-hmm. about Devadra Start, saying he was a disgusting little man and he was a fat little man sitting back in his chair, all these kinds of things. So, yeah, she calls Devad fat all the time. Yeah, yeah, portly, fat, whatever, which kind of goes back to the like fat with child. Yeah. I still like, I still am sticking to my opinion that I don't think it's a body image issue so i don't think it's that issue with like weight i think it's more of just the negative connotation of like women are growing fat with children because then they're locked down and they're not you know in their stately or their beautiful gowns you know dancing right yeah i suppose i don't know i think i also though maybe just like as a woman (laughs) have heard more often in my life of people describing like pregnancy like that like that it's a common joke in rom-coms of like when the woman gets pregnant she's yeah, like I'm just so, so fat, fat. Yeah. and it's like 
just such a, I don't know. It's such a trope of a woman. It's such a negativity of pregnancy is like, yeah, you get a baby, but you also get fat. And I hate that. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. If it's you ch- definitely used in a negative context. Yeah. Not, this just, is what I'm saying. I'm pointing it out. Yeah. Here yeah, yeah. Too. Definitely. Yeah. <sighs> Cause Malta is the worst. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, she is 12, so she has time to change, but she obviously has parents that aren't very good about things. She's like, why is Devad Rastard here? Why are they thanking him for humiliating me? He's such a gross little man. It makes me queasy. Just directing her anger at somebody who's not her mother, because apparently she can't stand up for her mother, because her mother's not going to burst into tears this time. Which, like, what? Yeah. That's not fair. <laughs> and then okay. Nana comes in with tea. Nana comes in with tea and a rag for Malta to wash her face, which angers Malta. And she throws the towel on the ground, very adult-like, and says, I will not. Well, she says, for an instant, she was grateful. And then says, like, oh, no, they're just bossing me around like a child. And then throws the tantrum. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will not, she cried and flung the wet towel to the floor. A long moment of silence followed. Then her grandmother asked her conversationally, Do you realize you look like a whore? I do not, Malta declared. She had another moment of doubt, but thrust it aside. Sarah Wintrell did not seem to find me unattractive this night. This dress and this way of painting my eyes are what's currently fashionable in Jamalia. For the whores, perhaps, Grandmother continued impeccably. I did not say that you were unattractive. You are simply not attractive in a way any proper woman would be comfortable with. (laughs) So... Oh, snap. Go off, Ronica. Yikes. Ronica's going to let her know why everybody has been acting yeah. the way they have. Good. Yeah. <laughs> That's this like is, the first time, really. Yeah. They're, Using she's like spelling it out. and strumpet is not things that Malta understands. Yes. Those are. But also, like, why was her first thought, like, she's like, oh, you think I look like a whore? Well, I'm not ugly. What? Those are not the same. I guess probably the way it's talked about that yeah. she has heard. It is. It's like a dirty thing, right? Yeah. Like, like, it's not proper. It's, they have like, to be ugly. Yeah. There's no way. And in her in her movie fairy tale dream of everything, everyone beautiful is going to these balls. Right. Anything that happens outside is ugly, right? Like, right. I'm sure. But it just is like such an interesting, another little tidbit of how awful the things are that are being said around right. town. But yeah, I think it's really interesting that Ronica decides like, okay, I'll talk to you like an adult. This is what's wrong. And she can't even accept it. She's not, she like feels doubt in her. She knows that her grandma is right. And instead of saying, oh, maybe I did something wrong or reflecting, she's in too deep and she digs her heels in. <laughs> and so start is about to like chime in and say, actually, but Ronica continues on saying like, we're not in Jamalia, nor are you a whore. We're the daughter of a proud trader family. We do not flaunt our bodies in that way. We want to be proper. And I wonder that somehow this has escaped your notice before this. Then I wish I were a whore in Jamalia, Malta declared hotly, because anything else would be better than being suffocated here, forced to dress and act like a little child when I am near a woman grown, forced to always be quiet, be polite, be unnoticed. I don't want to grow up like that. I don't want to be like you and mother. I want to to be beautiful and noticed and have fun and have men want to be near me and send me flowers and presents. I don't want to dress in last year's fashions and behave as if nothing ever excited me or angered me. I want... Actually, Devad broke in awkwardly, there has been a 
a similar fashion in Jamalia since last year. One of the satraps' uh, companions appeared thus, uh, in the guise of a street woman, not at a public function, but at a very large private gathering, to proclaim her, shall we say, complete devotion to the satrap and his needs, that she was willing to, well, to be seen and treated as his, well, Devad took a deep breath. This is not something I usually would discuss with any of you, he pointed out awkwardly, but it did happen, and there were, uh, shall we say, echoes of it seen in fashionable dress in the months that followed. The ear paint, the uh, accessible panels of the skirts, he suddenly flushed very red and subsided. Yeah, so not great. <laughs> well, this is just like another picture into the world here, right? So this is, yeah, like an awkward time to be chiming in in front of Malta with this information. It's probably not the best in front of like a child to like take their side a little bit in front of their parents. Right. So Javad, like, again, not showing his tact in conversation. But it's like. But it still was somebody dressing specifically to look like. Yes. Yeah. A street woman. And not. It, and it's a glimpse into the world and how yeah. the world is shifting and viewing women yeah. in these positions. And Ronica points that out, saying that just shows how the satrap has fallen so har- far if the companions of the heart are dressing like whores as well. Because they used to be scholars and sought after. And you used to be proud to have your daughter picked to be a companion because they were advisors to right. the whole leader. Right. And I do want to say, like, obviously from a modern perspective... A woman can dress however she wants and still be smart. Like that, how you dress doesn't dictate what is right. between your ears. Yeah. Um, but in this society, it does show like now a woman is worth more because she's beautiful and can use her body the right way instead of how smart she is and what she's bringing to the table and in an advisor sort of role, which is sad that that loss is sad. And that's something that Ronica has seen in her lifetime. And I do get her frustration in that aspect of like, Oh, it used to be, you know, amazing. Like a smart woman would be picked because she was smart and not just because she looked nice. And that would be really hard because especially with so few roles for women available, in a working sense in this world, like just one more is gone. And I do think with Malta's little rant there, I feel so bad for her because like on the surface, if you ignore everything else she's done this night, what she wants makes sense. She just wants freedom. She wants to be sexy. She wants to look like a woman and she wants to have fun and go out there and without live the responsibilities a life. dragging her down at the end of the day. Right. Without needing to worry about settling down and starting a family, which are really daunting. And like that on its own, like, yes, you go girl. That is fine to want. And I love that for you. But like, the way to go about it isn't to do what she did. And it's so frustrating because like on the one hand, it's like Kyle sometimes or Kenneth, sometimes they make sense. And sometimes the things that they're saying aren't bad or wrong. And then sometimes they give us this and it's like, Oh, it's in the middle of you being a horrible person. And so I can't take it seriously, <laughs> but I do, I do feel sorry for Malta here. Yeah, Definitely. But she's a child with child's arguments and flinging childish insults back at 
her parents and her grandmother saying, you want me to be old and dowdy like you and mother? You want me to go from an infant to a woman, to an old woman? And she's like, I won't. I, I want, that's not what I want in my life. And Kefria is like, don't speak to us that way. I would never speak to my mother like that. And Malta goes off saying, if you had, maybe you would have had a life. But no, I bet you've always been mousy and silent and obedient, like a cow, shown one year and wed the next, like a fine fat cow taken to auction. One season of dancing and fun and then married off to have babies with whatever man offered the best bargain to your parents. She had shocked the whole room. She looked around at all of them. That's not what I want, mother. I want a life of my own. I want to wear pretty clothes and go to wonderful places. I don't want to marry some nice trader boy you pick out for me. I want to visit Jamelia someday. I want to go to the satrap's court and not as a married woman with strings of babies following me. I want to be free of all that. I want... You want to ruin us, grandmother said quietly and poured tea. You want, you say, and give no thought at all to what we all need. Tea or port, Devad? Tea, he said gratefully. Not that I can stay long. I must hasten back to at least be in time for the presentation. Tea, very well then. His grandmother filled in smoothly as he kind of trails off awkwardly. Nana, dear, I hate to ask this of you, but would you see Malta off to bed? And see she washes well first. I am so sorry to put this on you. Not at all, mistress. I see it as my duty. And so Ronica just chimes in and be like, calmly, speaking to a child, this is what you want. And while we're sitting here in our... In the year of our Lord 2022. <laughs> <laughs> not my Lord. <laughs> not, not my Lord. Saying, like, yeah, that's perfectly valid for a young woman to want. That is not valid for, <laughs> for a young woman to want in Bingtown, even without the Chelsea, you know, women is property kind of leanings right. that are seeping in. If it was Ronica's day, that is not what goes on. And the Vestrits are in desperate need for people to, like, help them out in their family and not need another daughter running off. Right. And, yes, we champion Elthea for, like, following her passion and doing things. But it does leave the Vestrits in dire straits. Right. And Malta is a 12-year-old. So it's She's got, better. like, four years at least before she could maybe think of going to Jamalia on her own. Right. It's it's a lot of nuance. It's, this is sometimes what I don't like about talking about these books, because on the one hand, like I want to debate in this world that we are reading in and like talk about how like obviously it's wrong that Malta wants this. But then like I can't do that because I'm a 21st century woman and like I don't think it's wrong that she has these aspirations. I just think the way she's going about it is so poorly done because she is a child doing it on her own, but it's not really like her family's going to help her do it in a more proper quote unquote way because they want her to stick with the status quo, which is leading into women being less than men. And that's really sad too. It's hard because in this situation, both are kind of wrong. And I don't know. How do you like, dissect that in a way that's nuanced enough like I don't feel qualified enough to talk about all the intricacies but I just there's some sort of feeling to see the very good point Ronica is bringing up is that 
this childish want of you're only thinking about what you want and not what is good for the family. And I think that's kind of the family's disappointment with Althea, other than the fact that her mother hates that she's not a real woman, quote unquote, but just that Althea doing what is against the grain is bad for the family. And so she shouldn't do it. And I feel like there needs to be a middle ground in there. Like maybe we should look at the way society is and help our daughter and granddaughter get the life they want to lead, but in a way that isn't endangering to them. Build yeah. a better world. Build a better world. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going to try after it gets kind of torn apart by war. So. <laughs> right. After they absolutely have to and have no other choice. <sighs> but Malta's taken away because she's not an adult and she doesn't get to be part of the adult conversation anymore. But she's proven herself to be too childish. She does the adult thing and doesn't fight back against Nana disrobing and cleaning and putting her to bed and rolling in. <laughs> But that's because she says she was not ashamed of anything and they were all going to see when Kyle came home and her father told them how they were mistreating her and everything like that. Right. She has this like weird thing where she's like, I'm going to tell my dad and he's going to make them sorry. It's the same thing that Althea had in the first chapter. True. Just like I'm going to go home and dad is going to see how Kyle treats me. Oof, I hate that you said that because now I'm thinking about the fact that it it is literally the exact same situation because unbeknownst to Malta, her father will die next time (laughs) she sees him. So (laughs) that makes me a little bit more sad. Yeah. But there is this like, I just have to hold on until my dad comes so he can fix it. Yeah. That and the shivery sensation that Sir Wintrell's glance had awakened in her. She thought of his eyes and felt it again. Sir at least knew that she was no longer a little girl. So gross. Really gross. Glad that we're done with her perspective for now. <laughs> yeah. It'll take me a couple chapters to get back into that. <laughs> it was really hard to read this chapter, like knowing that it was going to be Malta. I was like, I don't want to. <laughs> I really put this one off. But we're done with the first chapter of Malta. Yes. It's just like every other character. The first one is the worst. It gets better. It's going to get better from here on out. Literally the worst. Yeah. It can only go up. Well, that's here. just like a an overview of Malta. She is twelve. Like that's that's all the overview is. She yes, she's a brat. Yes, she lies to get her way. But she has been brought up in the household of Kyle and thinks less of servants, thinks of some people as slaves, and thinks of her mother and maybe not her grandmother, but her mother for sure being cowed easily. And some lesser people being cowed by, like, Devad from her grandmother and thinks she can get her way. Right. But she desperately just wants to be taken seriously and have fun because the Vester household is really boring. Yeah, fair. It's, like, in my mind, it is literally just gray. Like, I the mean, whole house is, like, not pretty. It's just, like, cobwebby and gray. No. Listen, <laughs> there is fun to be had in embroidery and wine night. That sounds like my cup of tea, personally. Yeah, I would but enjoy that. Not but for a the past year. No. Not for yeah, the past true, year. True. Hasn't been around for a year. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying it's not that boring. <laughs> but, yeah, it is really rough. And I think something we kind of skimmed over is this thing that Malta doesn't know as much as she thinks she does. Yeah. Especially when it comes to her mother and father's story, which is weird to me because I feel like how does she not know anything about her parents? And like the fact that she says specifically like, 
I'm not going to be like you, mom. I'm not going to have one season and then have go with the the boy with the highest bid to my parents. That's a traitor boy. And it, I mean, like you said, I guess maybe it's, he's not old traitor, but he is from a traitor family. But like we know that Kefria had to convince her parents to let Kyle right. like she picked Kyle, even though they didn't like him. I mean, I guess they did. They grew to like him. They grew. But like, I don't know. That makes me feel like they were together for a while. We don't really know. But no, I don't know. But just like this whole like. I'm not going to be cowed like you, especially knowing that she's going to have not even a full season of being a single girl and then she's going to get married. The first the second person that catches her eye. Yeah. Which also is gross and sad and like, yes, I hate yeah. it a lot that With she like doesn't get to have freedom. Some magic involved. Yeah. It's the, we'll get there when we get there. I just, but there I is, don't like it. there is a sense of, I guess, irony that like, right. Yeah. I'm not going to be like you. I'm going to have a long time of freedom and being a woman who is loved by men. And then she is in <laughs> Like literally faster than two months, maybe yeah. of being a quote unquote woman. It's, it's hard. It's funny, but it's not, it's not ha ha funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for sticking with us this long. If you listen to Malta this long. <laughs> yeah. If you have uh, thoughts on her or if you, you know, want to defend her or if you'd want to defend her or anything like that, please let us know where it is. If it's happy at gmail.com. Or you can follow, subscribe, comment, like everything on our other social medias, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It is Fits Happy. And we do have a YouTube channel now where all those episodes are being uploaded. And I am starting to upload the backlog as well. So follow us on anything that you want to listen listen to us on. And let us know if there's something that you want to listen to us on and we're not published there. Yeah, we'll try to, try to add. <laughs> Thanks so much. Can't wait to hear from you next week. Okay, so this week we don't have anything specific to talk about with comments that people sent us or theories. Um, But I did want to talk about Spotify Wrapped because it just came out recently. And we want to give a huge shout out to all of our listeners, not just our Spotify listeners, but especially Spotify, because they give us a nice little wrap that creators can see. Um, so those, that's what we'll focus on. But thank you to everyone who has listened to us for the year. Yeah. As it's almost coming to a close. Mm-hmm. How many years now? Two, three? Almost three down because we started in March of 2020, of 2020 right? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. That feels like forever ago. I know. So thank you guys for listening for so long, Um, especially with how long our podcasts are. I know that is not everybody's cup of tea, but we appreciate it. And it's crazy to think of how far we've come. Yeah, we shared some of the Spotify wrapped, you know, slides that they show us on our Instagram story. But if you haven't seen that, there's a couple cool things that we learned from them. This is again, this is only Spotify listeners. Yeah. So of our Spotify listeners, we have listeners in 42 countries. What what? That's amazing. Also, our top listener country on Spotify is not the US. Huh. 
United so, Kingdom. What's up, people from the U.S. like us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, shout out UK. Also, number two was not the U.S. No, number two is Australia, which... Shout what, out what? Australia. G'day. <laughs> <laughs> We can say that we're living there now. <laughs> yes, we do live in Australia now. So I feel as a local. <laughs> oh, jeez, Oh, jeez. Now we got the uh, United Kingdom, Australia, United States, Netherlands, and Canada were the top ones. Yeah. So shout out to everybody. All 42 countries. Thank you. But top five. Thank you guys mm-hmm. a little bit more. And if you're in the Netherlands, <laughs> smallest country on that top five. Appreciate you. Also, yes. English is a second language there. So. Love that. Love that. We love to see it. Um, Thank you to all of our second language English speakers. Yes. If that makes sense. Well, I mean, there's 42 countries. There's got to be a lot of them out there. Yeah. We have had people message in that uh, English is their second language or third language. Right. Which Also, don't apologize for your English. We both speak. Poorly the one. Poorly the one. You, You have like. Maybe a kindergartner's understanding of another one, but yeah, I don't have anything. You know what? After five years my of study, fr- I didn't retain anything. My so. friend from Mexico told me that my Spanish is at a third grade level. So, <laughs> <laughs> ooh, so what? Like a ten year old, like an eight to ten year old, you know. <laughs> But no, it's very impressive. Anytime somebody writes in and they're like, English is my second is my second language. I'm sorry. I'm just like, honestly, the fact that I can perfectly understand everything you're saying is amazing. And even if I had to piece it together, amazing. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. It's insane. It's so cool that you guys are listening and that's mm-hmm. like you love the series that much to listen to something in another language. Like that's real dedication right there. Yeah. So for Spotify that we've published on Spotify, but this should be the same throughout everything, I hope, we have created 3,682 minutes of new content, which is 61 hours. Yeah. That's a long time to spend together. 61 hours. Just this year. Just this year. That's from like January to end of October, I think they measure. With a couple breaks in there. So like, shout out to you guys for hanging out with us for that long. Yeah. That's crazy we also found out that we have a specific type of listener if anybody has done spotify wrapped you have gotten a type of listener that you are um and the one that is the most common for our followers is the specialist which is what i got on my personal spotify wrapped so shout out to all the other specialists out there (laughs) it's just like people who don't typically branch out essentially, which I say as another specialist, your listeners are selective with the podcast they listen to, but they've got lots of love to go around. Once they decide they like a podcast, they're all in. So few very deep dives on podcasts or songs. If you were a specialist for Spotify for listening to songs like Emma was, she has her, you know, she, she's listened to a lot of stuff this year, but has like the 10 artists that like listen to them all the time. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Or the five podcasts that I listen to. So yes, definitely cool to see. That means that you guys are picky and you picked us. So great taste. Yes. Love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for everybody who is, is listening. Do you have any other things? I didn't say anything else. Um, yeah. So I just also wanted to say that we're in the top 10 podcasts for 351 people. Yeah. That's amazing. Top five for 269 of those people. Like, thank you guys. <laughs> I don't know. That's just like really 
this started as just like a fun pandemic thing to do like our little pandemic hobby instead of making bread. The idea wasn't even for a pandemic really, but it it turned into it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It was just to have a fun time to be able to talk to each other about a thing that we both enjoy and getting to share that with you guys and see that there are a lot of you who enjoy it too is really rewarding. And even though this is kind of our hobby side project, it's really cool to know that you guys enjoy listening to us and we really appreciate that so thank you guys for taking 61 hours out of your life this year to listen with us yeah that's incredible here's to 61 plus more next year (laughs) (laughs) and maybe book two of this series (laughs) so we can get through all the multi chapters fingers got this book is so long (laughs) (sighs) chapter 18 we've broken up a lot of these into part two so yeah Well, all right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. 